0: With 326 episodes made, broadcasting from 1939 to 1950, we bring to you The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes.
1: Cremel Hair Tonic and Cremel Shampoo present The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Starring Nigel Bruce as Dr. Watson and Tom Conway as Sherlock Holmes. Well, once again, it's time to keep that pleasantest of all doctor's appointments. Our weekly visit with our excellent host and incomparable storyteller, Dr. Watson. Good evening, Dr. Watson.
2: Ah, there you are, Mr. Bell. just in time to join me in a glass of port. The decanter's there on the sideboard. Help yourself and then settle down.
1: Fine, Dr. Watson. I suppose you're already with tonight's new Sherlock Holmes story, The Adventure of Moultrie Abbey, isn't it?
2: Yes, my boy, and in many ways I'm inclined to think it was one of the most singular adventures that Sherlock Holmes and I ever had. But before I begin the weird adventure of Moultrie Abbey, haven't you, haven't you got a word for our listeners?
1: Yes, Dr. Watson, I have. Men... Neat-looking, well-groomed hair does so much to give a man that air of success, to say nothing of adding to his good looks. And I'm sure you'll be interested in hearing about this modern trend in hair grooming, which has become such a nationwide favorite. It's called Kreml Hair Tonic. This highly specialized hair tonic contains a combination of hair grooming ingredients, which is found in no other hair tonic. Yes, that's exactly why Kreml gives a man's hair such a natural, well-groomed look and keeps it in place longer keeps every hair in perfect order from morning till night. Yet Kreml never gives hair that cheap, greasy, patent leather look. Kreml keeps hair looking mighty handsome with a rich, healthy-looking luster. Yet it always feels and looks so clean on your hair and scalp. Men, if you aren't already using a hair tonic, try Kreml. If you're using some other dressing, change to Kreml. Then see if your hair doesn't look better than it ever did before. Better groomed. Better looking when you use cremel. Kreml. K-R-E-M-L, hair tonic. Now, Dr. Watson, how about the venerable bead and the adventure of Moultrie Abbey?
2: Well, Mr. Bell, that story began in Baker Street on the December afternoon many, many years ago. Shortly after tea, I remember, when Sherlock Holmes, who'd been pacing up and down our room, suddenly stopped at the window and looked intently out at the street below him a few moments, my curiosity overcame me, and I joined my old friend. Looking over his shoulder, I saw that on the pavement opposite, there stood a young woman dressed in the height of Edwardian fashion. She wore a fur bore and a broad-brimmed hat, from under which she peeped up in a nervous, hesitating fashion at our windows, while her body oscillated backward and forward. Suddenly, with a plunge like the swimmer who leaves the bank, she hurried across the road, and we heard the clang of our front-door bell.
0: Oh, took her a long enough time to, to make up her mind in Holmes? Yes, Watson. I have seen those symptoms before in women. Oscillation on the pavement generally means an affaire du coeur. She would like advice, but is not sure whether the matter is not too delicate for communication. Oh, she looked a pretty little thing, perhaps some scoundrels jilted her. Oh no, Watson, In such a case, the usual symptom is a broken bell-wire. Here, I think we may deduce the young lady is not so much uh, angry as uh, grieved or perplexed. Why not meet her at the head of the stairs, old chap? Mm-hmm. I know Mrs. Hudson's rheumatism is bothering yes, her. Yes, of course I will.
2: This way, young lady. It's all right. Thank you, Mrs. Hudson. I'm, I'm Dr. Watson. Won't you come along in?
3: Thank you, Dr. Watson. Uh,
2: this is my friend, Mr.
0: Sherlock Holmes. How do you do?
3: How do you do? I'm Sybil Carter, and I need your help, Mr. Holmes.
0: Then please be seated, Miss Carter. I presume it is Miss, since I see no ring on your wedding finger.
3: Yes, it's Miss. Though that awful man, Jonathan Devers, would like to make it Mrs. Oh, I can
0: quite understand any man, wants to. Oh, quiet, Watson. Oh,
3: sorry. sorry. Oh,
0: please tell me your problem, Miss Carter.
3: Well, I can tell you in two words, gentlemen. Jonathan Devers wanted to marry me, and that was bad enough. But even to save the mortuary fortunes, I couldn't marry him. Now he wants Harold to leave the country and disappear. And when we think of the Abbey and the tenants, what can we do? I know that my brother's dead set against outside interference, but tonight is when we play the music. And
2: if only you could be there. Well, that's, uh, that's, considerably more than two words, Miss Carter. I'm afraid I can't make head or tail of any of them. Nor can I. Supposing you begin
0: again and talk more slowly.
3: Oh, very well, Mr. Holmes. Uh, perhaps it'll be better
0: if I ask questions. You mention your brother's title. May I ask what that title is?
3: Uh, my brother's Harold Carter, the Fourteenth Earl of Moultrie, and the poorest. Confidentially, we're in a dreadful way financially. Harold invested in Canadian copper last year. The market dropped recently, and we were nearly wiped out. That's when this awful Jonathan Devers came on the scene.
0: And who is uh, Jonathan Devers?
3: Oh, he's a cousin of ours from South Africa. He's a dreadful bore, but extremely wealthy. And he wants to marry you, sir? Yes, but even for the sake of the Abbey and the mortuary fortunes, I couldn't do that. Now he's offered Harold 50,000 pounds in cash if he'll go abroad and pretend to disappear. You see, Jonathan Devers is next of male kin in line for the inheritance.
0: So Mr. Devers is trying to bribe your brother to disappear so that uh, he may inherit the title and estate?
3: Yes, Mr. Holmes.
0: Hmm. In this particular matter, I fail to see how I can help you. Oh,
3: but you can, Mr. Holmes. You see, the first Earl of Moultrie, he was created by Henry VIII, you know, left a family motto. It's inscribed in our private chapel at the Abbey. It says, If the Moultries be in need, seek the venerable Bede. Beadle's some fellow who
0: works in the parish, isn't he? Bede, Watson, not Beadle. Oh, be- be- yes, spelled Bede. Yes, spelt B-E-D-E. Bede. The venerable Bede, if I'm not mistaken, was an 8th-century monk who is revered... Not only as a saint, but as the first great English historian.
3: Yes, Mr. Holmes. We have a statue of him in the chapel. And then we have a family custom that... I know this may sound silly to you.
0: Don't worry, Miss Carter. I'm aware that some of these old, crusted superstitions often conceal surprising truths.
3: Pray, continue. Well, it's been passed down in the family that if ever the Maltries were in trouble, they should play a very peculiar piece of music which he composed. Piece of music?
0: What, a, what an odd idea. Extremely interesting. And uh, you're planning to play the music tonight, you say?
3: Yes, Mr. Holmes. Heaven alone knows the Maltries couldn't be in worse trouble than they are now. And I want you to be there. Only Harold doesn't. So I thought if you'd be your violin, I could pretend that you would just come to hear the music.
0: An excellent idea, Miss Carter. As I remember, Morty Abbey is in Gloucestershire.
3: Yes, Mister Holmes, at Chipping Martin. An express leaves Paddington at five thirty. Perhaps we could travel together. Certainly. Mm, sir so it
2: seems like a wild goose chase, Holmes—an eighth-century monk and strange music. Sounds like a lot of mumbo jumbo to me. Where's your chivalry,
0: Watson? In any case, shall you recall the singular affair of the Musgrave ritual? There's no telling what these old family customs may portend. So be a good fellow and pack your bag. There's no time to be lost. I'll just have time to show you the chapel before dinner, gentlemen. Thank you, Lord Carter. And uh, after dinner, I shall be happy to gratify your musical curiosity, Mr. Holmes. But you mustn't regard my sister's visit today too seriously... Sybil's an overly emotional girl, and quite frankly, I wish that she hadn't approached you. I feel that Maltry Abbey is my duty. I'll find some way to save it, and my tenants. I uh, trust that the music will live up to its magical reputation. Well, this is the chapel. Mm, a beautiful building must be very old. or 16th century. The Abbey House was built nearly a hundred years later. <laughs> Uh, hold your lantern a little higher, Dr. Watson. Uh, that's it. Now, I, I want to show you our prize possession. There you are. Magnificent. Quite magnificent. This, I presume, is the statue of the venerable bead that uh, your sister spoke of. Yes. It's an excellent specimen of 16th century wood carving. Note particularly the delicate work on the beads of the rosary. Odd. Very odd indeed. What's odd, Holmes? The fact that the... How many times do I have to tell you to keep away from me, you filthy scum? Don't you take your whip to me, sir. I, I'm, I'm not doing nothing. How oh, would I... The devil's on out, out there. Room. Come on. Come, you your evidence. Take this. Oh, don't you lay your whip on me. Right. Jonathan, what's the matter? Harold, I demand mind that you discharge this groom of yours. You can't whip me, Mr. Devers. I'll have your blood for this. I will. Well, what's he done, Jonathan? He's been following me. Christ today, I bumped into him in the grounds. Not half an hour ago, I was taking a walk by the bottom of this tarn, and I found him scuffing behind me. Now I bump into him sneaking after me here. I say you must discharge him, Harold. he was only hired today. ah well, I suppose you're right. Wilson, you may collect a week's wages and leave in the morning. I oh, wasn't doing no harm. Just trying to deliver a telegram. That's why I came here. Is one of you gents Mr. Sherlock Holmes? I am he. Then this telegram come for you. I was only trying to find you when this son of a South African slave driver comes to... Oh, I'll
2: have your blood, you see, if I
0: don't. That's enough, Wilson. Now, clear off. I'm sorry, Jonathan. Oh, by the way, this is Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Mr. Jonathan Devers. How do you do? How do you do, Mr. Devers? Ah, yes. Sybil told me that you were having distinguished company at your musical soiree tonight. How are you gentlemen. Excuse me. We'll see you at dinner, No doubt.
2: That poor devil was out his
0: side. Mr. Devers mentioned that he was walking by the bottomless town half an hour ago. What, may I ask, is the bottomless town? Oh, it's a lake on the estate, it's just behind the gamekeeper's cottage. There's a legend that it's fathomless. All I know is that some years ago a prize heifer of mine was seen to fall in and drown. We dragged the lake, but no grappling hooks we could obtain touched the bottom. Interesting. Holmes, uh, the telegram that fellow brought you... Ah, yes, the telegram. Uh, Give me the lantern, Watson. Uh, Thanks. An extremely illuminating message. Read it for yourself, Lord Carter. It says nothing but my cousin's name, Jonathan Devers. And yet the message is quite eloquent. It is in answer to a query I made before leaving London. Who forced that market drop in Canadian copper which wiped out the Maltree fortunes? Do you mean that Jonathan deliberately smashed me, Holmes? It would seem obvious. Yes,
2: it's perfectly clear the devil's
0: covets the title
2: and stop at nothing to get it.
0: <sighs> Holmes, what am I going to do? What the devil am I going to do? We must wait until after dinner and hope that the musical composition may give us a solution to your unhappy problem. Now that Sibyl's played that rather dull piece of discordancy, I hope you're all satisfied. Naturally, the Maltree fortunes will be restored. Very funny, Jonathan.
3: What do you make of it, Mr. Holmes?
0: It's uh, curious. Very curious. Will you repeat that principal theme again, please, Miss Carter?
4: Yes, of course. (laughs)
0: Thank you, Miss Carter. I think I begin to get a glimmering of the mysterious message. Yeah, blessed if I do. It sounds like a jumble of meaningless notes to no me. Never mind, Dr. Watson. Your brilliant friend thinks that he saved the Maltry fortunes. In that case, Harold, I suppose you won't need to see Mr. Alexander in London tomorrow. Why, how did you know that? That your solicitor planned to start bankruptcy proceedings at the latest tomorrow? Huh. I too have my investigators, Harold. They seem a bit more efficient than your great Sherlock Holmes. Good night, Sybil. Good night, gentlemen. Ah, there you are again. What are you doing listening at the door, you holy swine? I was just to go into the kitchen. Oh! Uh, get to the stables where you belong. If I see that groom again, Harold, I'll break his neck. See that he goes tonight.
3: How dare he speak to you like that, Harold? He's not master here.
0: Not yet, Sue. But I can't hold on to the place much longer, and he knows it. Finally, unpleasant am Scoundrel, if you ask me.
3: Mr. Holmes, you said the music gave you some clue to the message?
0: It did, Miss Carter. But uh, it requires thought and a certain amount of uh, musical experimentation. I doubt if this music room would welcome the consumption of an ounce or two of shag tobacco. I think, therefore, that Watson and I will retire to our own room. With the aid of a pipe and my violin, I shall give the matter undivided attention. And tomorrow, tomorrow, we... Moultrie Abbey will go into receivership. Not while Sherlock Holmes is on the case. Oh, thank you, Watson. A man of my. Uh, Peculiar modesty and needs your constant reassurance.
4: Oh, I
2: can finally sleep out. Then why not
0: go to sleep, my dear oh, child? How can I when you
2: keep scraping away that wretched fiddle? da da A da, 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 lot of rubbish. Sit up all the night. We'll get you. Oh, yeah. I'm going to sleep.
0: When the trees are in need, seek the venerable bee. This music will solve the trees problems.
2: You can't whip me, Mr. Devers. I'll have your blood for this. I will.
0: Too bad that your solicitor is starting bankruptcy proceedings tomorrow.
3: You must help us. You must.
2: When the Maltree's in need, seek the venerable
0: be. I've got it. Watson, wake up! Wake up! What's up, Holmes? I've got the answer, Watson. I've solved the musical message. Before the night is through, I think we shall find the secret of Moultrie Abbey.
1: In just a moment, we'll rejoin Sherlock Holmes and discover just what that secret is. Leading hair specialists in this country constantly advise us to take better care of the hair we've got. And men, don't forget that if you want your hair handsome and healthy-looking, one of the first requirements is a hygienic scalp. And why settle for just any dressing when you can enjoy the extra advantages of Cremel hair tonic? Cremel is a highly specialized hair tonic which gives you your money's worth. It contains a unique combination of hair-grooming ingredients which is found in no other hair preparation. It keeps hair attractively groomed at all times, looking so neat and orderly. But Cremel does lots more than keep hair looking handsome. A Cremel massage stimulates circulation right in the surface of your scalp and leaves your scalp feeling so alive and invigorated. At the same time, Cremel removes dandruff flakes. And it's excellent to lubricate a dry scalp. And if your hair is so dry that it breaks off and falls when you comb it, Cremel actually helps condition the hair in that it makes it feel softer and more pliable. So, men, take better care of the hair you've got. Buy a bottle of Cremel at any drug counter. Ask for an application at your barber shop. Use Cremel daily for better groomed hair, for a more hygienic scalp. K-R-E-M-L, Cremel hair tonic. Well, Dr. Watson, I, I'm just as confused as I'm sure you must have been when Sherlock Holmes awakened you. What was the musical message?
2: Supposing I tell you the story in its actual sequence, Mr. Bell? I quickly dressed, and in the moonlight, Holmes and I stealthily crept down the corridor to Lord Carter's room. A few moments later, the three of us, carrying lanterns, started down the staircase, leading to the main hall. Holmes, as we went into Lord Carter's room, I'm sure, absolutely certain, that I saw another door down the corridor half open and and then closed. Which door was it? The last one on the right.
0: Oh, that's Jonathan Devers' room. Well, I suppose he knows what we're up to, which I must confess is more than I do. Well, if I'm right, not even Devers can stop us now. You're being confined in mysterious homes. Will you tell me why we're heading for the chapel at two in the morning? In a few moments, I shall make the reason extremely clear to you, I hope. Now, yeah. here's the door. Look,
2: look, look, look. Through the stained glass windows over there.
0: I swear there's someone with a lantern in the grounds outside. Our immediate problem is here, inside. Focus your lantern on the statue of the Venerable B. Watson. That's where the answer to the mortuary legend lies, I think. For heaven's sake, Holmes, I wish you'd be more explicit. Very well. Let me see if I can whistle those notes written in the musical theme. The notes are B E D E B E A D. These notes were followed by a rhythmically repeated series of the note D four times. Surely now the pattern becomes clear.
2: Well, the notes B-E-D-E obviously stand for bead, the venerable bead, and we're standing in front of a statue here, now.
0: But the second four notes are B-E-A-D. You yourself pointed out the rosary on the venerable bead statue, old Carter. The notes B-E-A-D must refer to the beads of the rosary. That's why I became suspicious on first seeing the statue. The rosary did not come into use till almost five centuries after the Venerable bead. Yet, his statue had one.
2: Then, what does the repetition of the note D four times mean
0: after the melody? I think it gives us the vital clue. D is the fourth letter in the alphabet, and it's repeated four times. Let's see what happens when we press the fourth bead on the Venerable bead's rosary. So, George, I think you're on the right track, Holmes. You are. Look at that section of wall behind the font. It's slid back. Come on. Let's see what it takes us to.
2: There's a narrow stone staircase
0: leading below. Well, I'll go first. Holmes, perhaps you have saved the Maltree fortunes after all. I hope so, Lord Carter. I hope so. Watch your head, Watson. You oh. must have built
2: these steps for pygmies.
0: Holmes, do you suppose we'll find any hidden treasure down here? I shall suppose nothing, Watson. In a few moments, there will be no need for conjecture. Holmes, I'm afraid we've drawn a blank. What's wrong, Lord Carter? Look for yourself. Hmm. A deserted crypt?
2: Nothing but a few
0: cobwebby old relics. Yes. A crucifix, a Bible, a gutted candlestick on the table here. Oh, they may have some small intrinsic value, but nothing else. Oh, I was a fool to have any hopes. I was expecting to find buried treasure. Wait a moment. Something, possibly the treasurer has recently been removed from here. Well, what makes you say that, Holmes? The room is thick with dust, and yet there's a large rectangular space free from dust on the table, as though a heavy folio volume had recently been lying there. By George, you're right, Holmes. And look here on the floor. Fresh footprints. Yes? Someone has recently anticipated our discovery. Well, it's
2: not very really hard to guess who that someone was. Jonathan Devers.
0: Aha. Observe these curious marks on the floor by the table. Four round dots, rectangularly spaced... I should say that a Gladstone bag has been placed here. A bag that was undoubtedly used to remove the treasure. But why, Holmes? Why carry off a heavy book in a bag? Supposing that book were of priceless value, Watson. Suppose it were the heirloom of the Mortier family, and its discovery by the rightful owner might save the estate. Yes, and I'm sure that Devers is quite capable of stealing it. The question is, though, what would he do with it? Precisely. And to answer that question, I shall try and imagine myself in the shoes of Mr. Devers. I'm a millionaire, and therefore I don't need the treasure. Too risky to sell it anyway. All I want to do is to keep it from the Maw Trees, so I'll destroy it. But how? I haven't the time or the opportunity to burn it. Difficult with a heavy book in any case, so I'm looking for some place to dispose of it where it may never be recovered. A fathomless lick on this estate. Better be the place, the bottomless tarn Of course. Remember the devil's told us earlier that he'd been walking by it this evening? Then let's go there as fast as we can. I can only pray that we're not too late. Look! 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 There, in the moonlight, it's Jonathan Devils. He's running towards the edge of the lake. Yes, and he's carrying a Gladstone bag, which means that we can run faster than he can. You have your revolver, Watson. Yes, yes, I have. Don't hesitate to use it. This devil's work must be stopped. Come on, faster, faster! Oh, we'll we'll never catch him. He's at the edge of the tarn. Drop that bag, Mr. Devers.
2: You're too late, my friend. Drop it or I'll shoot.
0: I'll drop it in the bottomless tarn. There. (laughs) Uh, Goodbye to the treasure of the Maltese. You devil. You've ruined me. I'll have the law on you for this. You're a common thief. I don't know how you'll prove it, Harold. That was my own Gladstone bag and I dropped it in the tarn. You don't even know what was inside it. But here comes the man who can tell us. Good
2: Lord, it's Wilson, the groom you discharged, Lord Connor. Well, what are you doing here, Wilson? What's that book you're carrying? I've just done what Mr. Sherlock Holmes tell me to, sir. I was following Mr. Devers. When he put down the bag and went off to get his coat before coming out
0: here, I thought there might be something valuable in it. I took out this book and I filled the bag with a few rocks. Wilson, I'll No, you stick won't, him. Devers. Or you'll end up in the town where you belong. Let me see the book, Wilson. Here you are, Governor. Thank you. Hold the lantern a little high, Watson. That's it. Aha. These faded pages are written in monkish Latin of the 8th century, and the hand is of the same period. Unless all my researches on the datings of documents are valueless, these may be, they must be, the original manuscripts of the venerable Bede himself. Good Lord, then they're absolutely priceless. And that means that the trees are saved. And you, Mr. Devers, will have the privilege of inspecting the interior of an English prison. Rubbish. What charge could you make? Common theft, burglary. The proof would depend on the word of that filthy groom there. And who's going to believe the oath of a servant with a grudge over the word of a South African millionaire? I think it's high time that this uh, filthy groom disclosed his true identity. All right, Mr. Holmes. Gentlemen, I'm Inspector Athelney Jones of Scotland Yard. And a great credit to the force you've been, my dear Jones. Yes, indeed, you certainly have. Your impersonation of a country groom was masterly, quite masterly. And now, uh, let's return to the house, shall we? It's nearly three in the morning, and I think we've had enough excitement for one night. (sighs) A very satisfactory case, Watson, don't you think? As we head back for London, I must confess to a certain glow of satisfaction. The fortunes of the maw are restored, the villain foiled and in custody... And, uh... And Scotland Yard will get the credit. You know that, of course, Holmes. they deserve it. Athelna Jones is a very enterprising fellow. Yes, Watson, an immensely interesting case. You see, Moultrie Abbey was, uh, from its name, one of the properties expropriated from the monks by Henry VIII, who created the earldom. Undoubtedly, the abbot had hidden the monastery's most valuable possession, the bead manuscript.
2: Then I suppose the First earl discovered the hiding place and left the book there as a future security for the Moultrie family.
0: Exactly. Leaving the cryptic verse as a clue.
2: If the Maltrees be in need, seek the venerable bead. Yes, I, I see it all now. You know, Holmes, to me the whole case was worth it when I saw that girl's face light up as we told her the good news.
0: I fear that I'm less impressionable, old chap. For me, my retrospective pleasure in this case lies in the fact that an irreplaceable treasure has been saved and uh, that a monk who died 12 centuries ago will have been responsible for restoring the fortunes of a fine old family. Yes, Watson? I think that in many ways you might refer to this as uh, our most successful case. (laughs)
1: Watson will be back in just a moment to tell you about next week's story. Ladies, you've heard it said that a woman's hair is her crowning glory, and how true this is. That's why you ladies should take the very best care of your hair, especially in shampooing.
4: I'm glad you brought that point up, Mr. Bell, because many popular shampoos have a tendency to dry the hair.
1: Well, here's one shampoo that will never dry the hair, never under any circumstances. And it's Cremel Shampoo.
4: Yes, Cremel Shampoo is simply wonderful. It actually glamorizes each tiny strand of hair so that it fairly radiates natural dazzling highlights. It leaves the hair simply gleaming with natural glossy luster. And what's more, your hair stays this way for days.
1: Cremel Shampoo is not a soapless shampoo. It's not a cream shampoo. It's not a drying detergent. It's entirely different.
4: Cremel Shampoo whips up a luxurious active foam even in the hardest water. You can use it as often as you wish over a long period of time, and it'll never dry your hair. In fact, Cremel Shampoo has a built-in oil base, which actually helps keep the hair from becoming dry or brittle.
1: Remember, ladies, the Divinely Beautiful Powers models wash their hair with Cremel Shampoo. They claim no other shampoo leaves their hair more shining bright yet never dries the hair. Why not try it? K-R-E-M-L. Kremel shampoo. Now, Dr. Watson, what about next week?
2: Well, now, let me see. Next week, I think I shall tell you how Holmes managed to trap a fiendish murderer who had terrorized a pretty little English country village. I call it the adventure of the tolling bell. Mm-hmm.
1: Tonight's new Sherlock Holmes adventure was suggested by an incident in Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's story, A Case of Identity. Nigel Bruce appeared by permission of California Pictures. Tom Conway through the courtesy of Eagle Lion Pictures. The Sherlock Holmes series is produced by Tom McKnight, with original music composed and conducted by Alex Steinert. This is Joseph Bell speaking for Cremel Hair Tonic and Cremel Shampoo. We're inviting you to be with us next week at the same time when Dr. Watson will tell us about the adventure of the tolling bell. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.
0: That concludes today's episode. We'd like to thank you and remind you to donate at choiceclassicradio.com. Remember...